0: Welcome to the Trigonometry Show, the show for practical shooters. Pistol, shotgun or rifle, bolt or semi-auto, if it has a trigger, we probably enjoy shooting and talking about them. I'm your host Kerry, and this show features regular guests talking about competitions and courses, reloading and unloading, tips, tricks and reviews, all focused around practical shooting in New Zealand. Many thanks to all our supporters and sponsors that helped this show exist, but an extra special thanks to the Gear Locker, where you can find long range shooting and reloading accessories that you won't find anywhere else in New Zealand. Check them out at gearlocker.nz and make sure you tell them that we sent you. I was recently very privileged to catch up with Frank Garley from Sniper's Hide. If you haven't heard of Frank before, you need to go onto snipershide.com. It's recently had an update, but this website, this wealth of knowledge that Frank has been behind has been around for a long, long time, way before Facebook, way before really YouTube, way before anything. He has been uh, learning, uh, collating his information. He's then been teaching. He's been sharing with all of us there's um not many questions that he hasn't probably already provided an answer for and what i think is unique is he's very big about pushing to update the knowledge and to keep up with current trends current learnings current developments in the precision shooting world so if you haven't already gone on to snipershide.com it is a by far the biggest online precision shooting forum in the world, has been for a long time. He also has online training, he puts up a lot of videos, and of course he recently started the Everyday Sniper, a podcast for precision rifle shooters. The podcast is just phenomenal. Uh, As I was adding questions that I wanted to ask him, I was catching up on the podcasts and he pretty much covers every single question I was going to ask. So... Go online. There's so much knowledge there. Now, the podcast got cut off at the beginning thanks to technology, but we started talking about social media, how it's both a bit of a boom and a curse when it comes to getting information in the modern day. Enjoy the podcast. I really loved it. I look forward to catching up with Frank soon in the future and maybe diving a little bit deeper on a few specific questions. Enjoy. Yeah, so I
1: think social media is a double edge, you know, how how it goes.
0: I, I think the big thing is is that the you know a lot of and especially down here in New Zealand we're, we're remote obviously so a, a lot of the information that we get is coming out of the states is coming out of Europe so if it wasn't for social media now there wouldn't be a lot of that information but I I think yeah it's the it's very hard sometimes to qualify the level of information that's coming through especially for new guys who've got No clue, you know, um, and yeah, some of the suggestions I've seen online are terrifying. And I I wouldn't claim to be an expert by any means, compared to somebody like yourself. I mean, you must just be (laughs) you must be nearly pulling your hair out sometimes. Oh, (laughs) 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 pulling your beard out. There we go. There we go. There we
1: go. Yeah, it's it it can be. Hang on, see if I can get this sorted out a little better for you. Um it could be pretty bad what some of these guys are 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 suggesting people do you know well, uh,
0: but there's bad and then but then there's also dangerous i think that's especially when you talk reloading there's actually dangerous um bad i can kind of arrive right, it's not all ideal but you're going to just take longer but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah for sure uh, and, and and there is a danger in that you know that there's there's a big danger in some of the advice that people Give you know especially Because they're all trying to jam things in And we'll talk you know reloading and stuff Later but the device The, 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 the advice that people Give is, is can be awful on so many Levels
0: mm. So uh, I, um, I guess, then, have you got any suggestions? I know, I know the very obvious one that's going to come up, but you've got any suggestions for people as to how they can kind of filter through that or how they can pre-qualify where that information is coming from? I mean, as you are saying, Sniper's Hide now is, is it's almost the point where everyone who's just... Um, the tyre kickers are almost all over in Facebook and their groups, and Sniper's Hide has uh, noticeably sort of just tightened up on the, the, the level of information that's there.
1: Uh, the, the, the big answer is the why. Why are you doing something or why are you giving that person the advice? Why mm-hmm. are you teaching a person to do that? And that, that story kind of behind the scenes is really what, uh, what, what answers it. You know, do you have a real reason why you're suggesting that or is it just because you read it? So yeah. uh, part of it's an experience thing. We know when someone's giving bad advice. But for the layman, in a lot of ways, or for the new shooter, I guess, is a way to do it, is if the person doesn't have a, a, a really good why, then I would avoid it.
0: Mm. I think something that I've noticed like I've been trying to catch up on all your um, your podcasts at the moment and I've, I've known this previous anyway of listening to your online training and, and involved with that is that you are yourself you're very big on asking the why rather than just repeating uh, dogma or repeating you know what people have thought to be good for so long you're constantly asking well why do you want to do that why are you thinking that why are you making that choice rather than just reading something online and going yep, that's good for me that's what I'm going to do because and such says so you're very big on telling people to read that but then also kind of ask themselves does is that applicable for what i actually want to do
1: exactly i mean that you, so much has changed you, you got to understand if you take you know the 1900s or you know the, the 20th century from 19 you know that 1900s to to prior to 911 for us precision rifle moved very slow that dogma those old wives tales repeated and repeated. And, and, and I tell people uh, it's it's a game of telephone. I don't know if you guys have that mm-hmm. game. Yep. And, and so you have that game of telephone that went on. Well, then after, after 9-11, everything changed. Now they start looking at this in a new way. They start bringing technology to bear and they start realizing a lot of this stuff we were doing was wrong and, was in, in, and not wrong in a dangerous way. But you got to remember back in the day, long range was 400 to 700 yards. Mm. We modeled everything based on artillery that was just scaled down for shooting. Now we're finding out none of that really lines up to what we're doing today. Yep. And so while you're seeing so much with software, you're seeing so much in these conflicting, um, uh, you, you, you know, uh, like I said, like somebody wants you to do it one way, somebody wants you to do another, and they'll conflict. Who's got the better idea? Who's whose piece of information's working out the best? So people are constantly chasing that, um, you know, that next greatest thing—not not, not just equipment anymore, but technologies and softwares and numbers, you know. So. Well,
0: Well, that's the thing. And it's, um, you know, I mean, it it follows up with sort of another uh, question here. It's like for guys... Uh, you know where there's all this new stuff, and obviously there's a marketing machine of a, you know the latest bullet, the latest uh, sorry, latest projectile, latest software update, latest all these things. Where do the guys? Uh, you know, I've had it myself. You sort of finish reloading is a great example. You finish a, a reload, you're nice, you're happy, it's all good, and then a new projectile comes out that promises to be so much better. And I know so many guys who then discard that and start the process again. Um, and it was, yeah. something, it was something you said regarding, um, in one of the online training things, regarding your dope. Well, I realized, like, for a long time myself, I was so busy chasing something, I never had a chance to develop dope. Because every time I was shooting, I'd made some change in the system. So you yes. never get to lock it down, learn that firearm and what that's going to do. And recently I just said, all right, let's stop. I've got, got enough projectiles. I'll finish sorting this load, shoot it for six months, see how that goes. Then stick my head up and see. all right, well, now do I want to change something or what, rather than the next time I go into Facebook and see if there's a new press release out.
1: You, you almost want to be seasonal with it. You almost want to yeah. commit to something for a season and then use that off season to look at new technology and start over. I mean, there are new bullets that come out all the time, and and that's changing. We're seeing a lot more changes in bullets lately, than mm. than you know, in powders for sure. You can swap up powders. You know, we're going beyond the 168 with the the, the 4066 or something. You know, now everybody, it's either the Savargate or I use 2000 MR a lot for 308, and and I'm getting speeds up with different bullets and things like that. So. I I laugh with the, the, like, I call them the anal retentive reloader who's, who's never finished um, doing load development. So they can't go out and shoot a competition. They can't go out and be public with what they're doing because they're not quite ready yet. You know, they, they're they're almost there. And and it's like, well, okay, it's, it's September, man. You've been at this since January. (laughs) You know, when are you going to be ready? And, and so that's not me. And, and, and I know in kind of one of your questions you would ask me about reloading. I'm I'm quick, down and dirty. I mean, I shoot more factory ammo than anything because it works for me. And in mm-hmm. the amount of the volume that I'm shooting And nowadays, factory ammo is so damn good. But I'll get a load for something and I pass it off to a guy who's an accomplished reloader. Yeah. And he fine tunes it and, and, and gives me that. And, you know, and that was the crayons, you know, the, the, the picture mm-hmm. of the, mm-hmm. the bullets all loaded up. W- once we get to that point where that box shows up, all I have to do is text him a color, man. And, and I mm-hmm. just say, hey, man, pink is it. The, the purple one's the right one. And then 500 show up with that load. Yeah. I don't even know what that load is until I ask him. You yep. know, I know we had a starting point and I know we're, we're going for a velocity or going for a specific reason when I'm reloading. But when those come in and they're colored like that, I have no clue what, what's under the hood. Mm-hmm. I'm just taking it. And my only job is get down, focus on my fundamentals, shoot the best group I can. I look at the speed. I look at my SD. Then I look at the group size. OK, speed's where I want it. SD, single digit. Group size is perfect. Give me the pink load. I'm yep. done. You know, that that's all I need. And and so mm-hmm. it saves me a ton of time and a ton of effort. And now I'm gonna shoot the season with it, you know? Yeah. So
0: So I, I guess off the back of that, there's there's sort of two questions that, that that sort of tie into it. I mean, one was with, you know, even for me now, I've been trying to catch up on your podcast. I've been trying to catch up on the videos from the 6.5 guys for all their coverage for a shot and all this media that's coming through. Now, you must be even more so with the amount of stuff that's coming in to you and literally equipment and bits and pieces coming in. R- things like reloading are things that you can kind of offload because you know it's going to, you know, you can offload that to somebody else. But how do you kind of manage the amount of information that's coming in for you and sort of disseminate it and send it back out? Because I view that as something that you... Sort of do a lot of it. All kind of comes into you, and you make sense of it, and then through podcasts and through articles, get it out to people so that you know <laughs> I yeah, can make sense of it. It's, you know,
1: it's the it's the toughest part of what I do is trying because mm. it is a big, big. It's it's you know people coming over every month with a, with a bucket and just dumping a bucket on me, yeah, and then trying to filter through. I try to stick with what's a little bit more important for my my readers, my listeners my membership. So I'll, I'll use that as part of a criteria. Um, you know, but I mean, there, there's so much stuff that comes in and it's moving so quickly. Mm. It, 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 it's tough now in the summer. And when I'm out teaching, it, it can be a little easier because I'm seeing all these products on one firing line. I can go through and see how it works and reacts to new people. So if, if somebody comes to a class that I'm teaching and they have this latest and greatest that I might not even be playing with yet, uh, I can play with it. You know, I'll go grab it. And Hey man, let me use your rifle for a while here, go shoot mine or go do this. You know, I'm going to play with yours and, and, you know, I'll try to do that. But I mean, the benefit is is having the private range and just going out and trying um, it. I mean, I, I literally cool. will, will go out and try it as best I can. And then after that, it's get through the marketing, you know, get through the hype. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. So, and uh, I, I guess uh, the big thing we've seen now with the hype, which they seem to, it becomes like uh, so BC, you know, the box BC versus what people are actually finding them to be. I mean, things now where more and more guys have their own cronies, they've got their own setup, so they can confirm that for themselves. Do you think as the consumer is getting more educated on it, the marketing has had to kind of. Uh, pull back a little bit because they're going to get pulled up so much quicker via social media, via the website.
1: We're being pains in the necks about it. That's a yeah. starting point. You know what I mean? That BC's an average at 300 yards for their setup. It's not yeah. your rifle, it's not your setup. You should be truing the BC's. And actually, it, there's a bit of a, a brouhaha going on right now because guys like Litz and net and all them had to stand up in front of crowds and say, what we told you last year, we don't want you doing anymore. We want you to go more and tune your BCs and develop that. Because if you look at, and, and I'll try to get it in the screen here. If I have BC in this hand in muzzle velocity in this hand yep. and I start doing this, well, now my curve is getting so out of whack. You know what I mean? Yep. And Hornaday with their form factor not using BCs, we shouldn't be using BCs to begin with beyond sales. You know, you should be looking at the box and saying, I'm going to pick this bullet over the other. But once we walk out the door, throw the BC out the window. Hornaday with the form factor is doing this. It raises and lowers the entire curve. And it's not doing the one hand is heavier than the other. Yeah. That one hand is heavier than the other doesn't work right. Mm-hmm. You're better off doping the rifle out and getting it to your max distance, in the BC for that dope and using your drops and stuff to kind of fine tune the BC number for you, your rifle, your system, and then you'll find adjusting muzzle velocities a lot easier. It's going to be smaller adjustments. It's going to be within that error factor of your chronograph instead of mm-hmm. what we see today where guys are adding, you know, 100 feet per second plus or minus to their software because the software can't manage this information correctly. We're, we're so far beyond that 3DOF software that's out there, the, um, the, the sort of the applied ballistics and the whole thing, where you got the Hornaday 4DOF should be the minimum. Mm-hmm. And they're not BC-dependent. Their form factor is there to offset your rifle. They understand we're completely different. When I shot Hornaday's uh, Doppler radar, and that's what they're going to now, hmm. uh, a bunch of these companies now have Doppler, and that's why they're changing the BC numbers. It's not so much marketing, it's distance. Back in the day, they tested BCs at 300 yards. Now with Doppler, I shot over Hornaday's to 2,000. Hmm. And my 21 inch 260 had to add form factor where my, you know, 24 inch 300 wind mag was zero and it fit their form factor curve. Perfect. So that's a smarter way of doing business than getting a Magneto speed or a lab radar or some really good piece of equipment today and then saying, Okay, that beast, that muzzle velocity is no good at 100 feet to it. What what did you spend six hundred dollars on a lab radar for if you're going to change the number by 100 feet?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You you know, you're better off adjusting the B.C. for your twist rate, your rifle, your muzzle velocity. Because when when Sierra Hornaday, Berger, whoever did it, they did it with one rifle at 300 yards. Mm-hmm. And they gave you an average. Well, that average isn't better or worse. It's just their average. Their you average, need to yep. get your own average.
0: Well, it, it ties into something. Recently, I was having a conversation with a guy who wanted to basically get himself a lead sled so he could zero his rifle with one shot. Um but I sort of pointed out to him he'd completely removed himself out of the equation of zeroing, so as soon as he got it out of the lead slid and onto his shoulder, he was going to introduce his own
1: corner right, of the arrow,
0: or whatever it you know, So if I'm left-handed, right? So I know this guy's guns that I shoot, I will shoot them differently with a different zero or point of impact than when they shoot it. And um, his belief was the opposite. I needed, He needed to pull everything out and just zero that the gun in the lead sled and that would be the best way. And just it, it's been good listening to you because it's explaining this idea that it's a system, and the system includes the gun, the ammo, the projectile, the environment, and yourself as well. And I think guys um, yeah, forget that it's us that is creating some of that dope or that it, where the gun shoots as much as anything else.
1: We're the, we're the biggest variable. We, we mm. Trump everything. And we, I actually, in my, in my class, in my lessons, I have a, sli- a set of slides. We zeroed a rifle years ago at rifles only in a lead sled. And then we had 11 shooters shoot a group with it. Mm. And mm. the left, there was one left-handed shooter. Everybody else was right-handed. The variation between the left-handed shooter and the worst right-handed shooter was yep. two inches at a hundred yards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just horizontal. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's not including the vertical variations we saw and you can see where people are adding in trigger, adding in breathing, adding in all these effects in that one little tiny test of 11 people that there was probably out of the 11, only two of them, Would you say that was a zeroed rifle? They shot and stayed zeroed with the rifle, and it comes down to experience. A new shooter, they're throwing a lot of trigger in there, you know? They're throwing a lot of themselves in that shot, so the rifle's not going to be zeroed for them.
0: Hmm. The uh, I mean we're gonna we're gonna jump a little bit all over the place and I'd also remind everybody that nearly every question I'm gonna ask you today you've probably already been asked you've probably already covered and certainly you're recovering a lot of them in the podcast at the moment in Everyday Sniper and I was kind of writing questions down and then catching up on another episode and I like, oh well he's just spent an hour answering that question but I'm I'm gonna ask him again yeah, anyway I'm good. so
1: you, you ask away yeah uh, uh, I know so.
0: <laughs> so I encourage everybody to go and catch up because the stuff you're putting out at the moment is it's just like knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb after knowledge bomb, um, and, and it's awesome. So, But you just mentioned Trigger. Trigger probably being one of the biggest um, factors or the biggest thing that throws a lot of us out. So the question I've got off that is is regards to practice and, and specifically for Trigger. Now, you've got a private range. You obviously do a lot of live fire. Are you still doing any dry fire, or do you just have the luxury of not
1: not a, when i'm home i'm kind of fried on a lot of it and i'm working on the thing so i'm not doing it as much i mean i advocate yeah. dry fire in the classes i make them sit down and dry fire you know before we start the day and and so i'm a big advocate of it i do think you know you, you gain more doing dry fire than you will going to the range and doing it bad yeah you know so um i'm i'm a i'm a very big advocate it's just my schedule just doesn't really allow it as much anymore um and I am getting in a lot of trigger time during the week because yeah. of reviews and things like that so um it, it, it I don't know if it's as critical for me but um i I can't see somebody who wants to get into this and in, in who who's doing this as a hobby but maybe wants to shoot competition not dry firing they should be doing all that
0: yeah yep yeah. and uh, uh tangent on there but it was another question i saw recently and i've got my my thought on it but i'm just going to leave you to answer it so guy developed himself a flinch his uh, my suggested solution was to do a pile more dry fire so that it just got kind of worked to the idea of him not getting kicked in the face every time his suggestion was to go fire a magnum for a while and just beat it out of him <laughs> that Your thoughts makes on a, that Frank?
1: the magnum magnums are flinch factories man <laughs> um, <laughs> They're, 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 what you really in, in a way what I find fixes people flinching a little bit is double ear protection man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. we flinch more off the sound Yeah, you know and, and I don't know if, he's, if he was running a, a break or anything like that but uh, it, you know and, and that could be part of it but mm. body position is one of them because you know if you're straight back and in line and everything and, and depending if he was shooting off a bench or however he was okay. shooting but what I'll find for guys, and it's usually with the Magnums we tell them to do this, is use two sets of air protections. Put foamies mm-hmm. in and then put uh, muffs on top, and you'll find they don't flinch nearly as much because it, it, it's reducing the you know the brain's perception.
0: Yeah. Yep. So
1: that's that's my idea. But I'm I I'm definitely not an advocate of telling people go out shoot a magnum. Go get a six millimeter. You know, shoot a twenty two a bunch and get the flinch out of you with a twenty two before you're yeah. gonna go get the flinch yeah. out with a magnum. The magnum's gonna make it worse.
0: Yeah. I, I, as an aside I'm not sure if you're aware like in New Zealand we are uh, lucky in that uh, for us a silencer or we'd call them suppressors is a completely unregulated item so even somebody without a firearms license full at all can just walk into a gun store and buy a suppressor there's no restriction on the thing whatsoever so we have a lot of um, suppressed firearms in New Zealand especially for hunting um, down here it really is now it's just like well why would you not have a suppressor
1: you can walk in and get a suppressor and you don't have, one you're wrong
0: yeah or death you know? generally
1: yeah that too and I, i'm already there but y- y- you know you'll be deaf just y- y- you know go get a suppressor you can go in the in the store and get one off the shelf and if you don't have one for every rifle you're, you're messing up
0: <laughs> um i'm uh yeah I'm, I'm the antisocial break guy at the moment but i the more i shoot it it's the same thing i'm, I'm filming myself and just checking i'm not going to develop myself a flinch um but then, yeah, I have a ba- my background was was audio and audio mastering in nightclubs, so I actually really enjoyed loud, loud, loud sounds. Yeah. You feel yeah. it's it's strange. I, I explain to people, so I enjoy the like the the physical feeling of of bass bins. It used to be, and I get the same thing out of breaks. So you
1: know, anyway. I mean, we um, use breaks because it's a variable. I'm you know I, I'm not against breaks in any way, yeah. except when I'm teaching and I'm standing next to one guy talking to mm-hmm. him, and then the guy fires the break and makes me deaf next to me. That's the only time, you know, but, um, uh, I'm, you know, brakes do have a place and, and even the, these little hunting rifles guys are using, they should be braked, you know, yes. it, it'll help them a lot more by putting a, a small little two chamber break on there. And I don't recommend the Voss brakes with all the holes, 360 degrees around it. You know, they got a the little BB size holes in them. Yep. Nah yep. nah you want a ported brake a two chamber three chamber ported brake on even your hunting rifle I think is a, is a better way to go and, and mm-hmm. if you can suppress it suppressor is going to be your better brake
0: well, we have, uh, you know, it it becomes so dependent on the style of of uh, shooting or hunting you're doing. You know, we have guys with the lightweight mountain rifles, which have got a relatively big cartridge and a, and a lighter and lighter lighter gun, and um, you have to break the thing, put a break on them for them to be manageable. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, you've got uh, we do like myself. I, I primarily bush hunt, which is a dense bush. You're stalking through the bush, and you're probably not taking a shot any further than. 50 meters so you can get away with a, a much less powerful firearm but you kind of have to have that suppressed at that point because otherwise you're going to go deaf very quickly
1: yeah yeah We even see there's no guy, time to put plugs
0: in to, to shoot you know
1: it, uh, we have a lot of a lot of guys and and i just showed a picture one on a, a, a student up in alaska has a lightweight uh, carbon fiber proof barrel 300 normal hunting rifle and it's yeah. a bush gun for him as well up there. he has a five inch suppressor on it, right, so you know it's not as much, and so he's doing the shorter suppressors, and we're seeing that a lot where when guys don't want the length of the suppressor, they're doing those five inch ones and giving them something.
0: Sure. Yep. so
1: yeah, that to me, that would be where you'd want to be for the the bush rifle stuff and for that really light, heavy hitting smaller rifles. Just put a tiny one on.
0: Mm, mm. Well, for that, it's just enough. I mean, you're not sitting there and – well, hopefully you're not sitting there and putting 20, 20 rounds out of the barrel. You're hopefully doing one, maybe two, and it's just to reduce that crack so you just don't have that, um, yeah, initial abuse of the ears, basically. Exactly.
1: And, and, and mm. you know, like he says, with this little lightweight normal, I think it was like a 7-pound rifle um, in the norm uh variety. He shoots maybe 50 rounds a year. Yeah, of, yeah. You know, so that's – it's not beating you up.
0: Well, again, and again, we get back to it needs to be specific to your use, specific to the exact system that you're doing. And, and what will work for a guy in the bush will be different to a guy up in the mountains to a different guy who's competing with it, you know? Um, right. We still occasionally see, it's so for a lot of the field shooting in New Zealand, it's been great because what it's doing is you've got the competition guys who are coming from the angle that they're looking over to the states with the PRS, with the NRL, with that style of of competition. And then the other end, you've got uh, hunters coming in who have probably never competed before, but like that idea of practical shooting off off their belly and everything. But you have them coming along with their uh, pencil-thin hunting rifles and then doing a string of fire that's five maybe 10 rounds at the max and of course everything's just climbing and climbing and climbing and they're just they're just realizing that their hunting rifle um while they can shoot it wonderfully for the first couple of rounds uh there's a different requirement as you start and put a bigger string of fire through it
1: exactly i mean what we're finding with like PRS NRL type stuff is it's I mean, other than it's become a style of shooting now, you know, where it really didn't have a name to it. We've been doing it for a long time. Uh, I mean, you got to remember that stuff started back at Rifles Only in like 96, 98. They were doing that. Then with us, with the Sniper's Hide Cup. And then the the PRS started off of our backs uh, down at Rifles Only with the Sniper's Hide Cup but we never had a name for what we called mm. that type of match. It was just a tactical rifle match, you know? Yeah. And so now it's become that, that, that adjective of saying a PRS event, but they, yeah. they they're yeah. competing you know, alternate positions in speed. They're mm. going a lot lighter with the six millimeters, the dashers and the BRs um, they're, they're, they're all about speed because they're doing, you know, anywhere from five to 10 targets in 90 seconds from alternate positions you know so you start you may start off the prone or end in the prone but out of 10 shots there may only be two prone shots there may be no prone shots Mm -hmm. you know and they're moving across a series of obstacles under a 90 second time limit and it's just find it hit it find it hit it find it hit it now i'm not a fan of the match booklets. And, you know, they have all the information ahead of time the night before the match, they get a book and the book tells them what they're going to do tomorrow. And it makes life easier. I like the field courses, like the, um, the sniper hide team challenge here, Mm -hmm. where you're carrying all your equipment, uh, you know, me and like Mary Beth, the nine-year-old girl I shot with, you know, we did 10 miles that weekend, her and I, you know, I, my partner was a nine-year-old and we're carrying everything we have and that we're going to need and um, it was uh, it was 10 miles and you got to find it, range it, engage it, you know, yeah. and it's all natural obstacles. It's a lot of similar stuff when you're looking at tripods and how to use that to your advantage or how to manage an obstacle, a down tree limb, a stump, you know, that kind of stuff. And it may be a case where the target can only be seen. Around the corner of a tree, standing up, leaning against it, because the hole in the foliage will only let you be right there to see the target. Mm-hmm. So I like that better. It's more practical. It crosses over hunting, military, that practical application where the PRS NRL, the majority of their matches are a game like three gun. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you're you're you got a square little little section. You got some props. Some obstacles and you're running from one prop to the other and, and you're managing all these problems and, and you know, they're letting them, uh, I guess, over equip themselves in a lot of ways. as They do this trial and error of, OK, you know, what does this bag work? OK, this bag and this bag works. All right. and Well, now I'm going to replace this bag with a rail on my rifle. Okay, mm-hmm. well now my chassis is going to have a dovetail cut into it, so I don't yep. need anything between the rifle and those tripod. So you get that kind of innovation, but sort of watching the omelet gets ma- getting made can be a little like uh, that's not a good idea, you know. Yeah, like it, it, it's cringeworthy when I see them posting videos of them doing the the free recoil, no shoulder in the rifle because they have that, uh, you know, they have machined equipment. That pins the rifle on a barricade and it won't move. It's wedging it in, yeah. And then they're not touching it, and they're off to the side with the rifle, not even in their shoulder. And they got an eight ounce trigger, and they just go, boop. yeah. And to me, there's nothing. There, there's no practical application for that.
0: Well, it becomes uh, like I've I've had a bit to do with say ipsec pistol when you have the different divisions in an open pistol is a very 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 different beast to a production or a standard or anything like that and it's almost like that that front bleeding edge like you say game it's gaming so anything they can do it to shoot flatter faster or anything like that um but down here i suppose because we don't have as many shoots everything is just a little bit of a mash of everything at the moment so you'll have stages which are a lot faster like that which you you are literally trying to figure out how to game them and more which are more um yeah natural uh field shooting as well so, um, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I like, I, I look at it and you're right. It's going to become a, a potentially a gear race and, and the open stuff always becomes gear races, I think. Um, you know, and then it filters back a little I bit. I like
1: analyzing it. I like analyzing, you know, when they go from three bags to one bag or, or they go from a, a $400 rail built into their rifle now that has wedge blocks, you know, how does that yeah. all kind of work and, OK, now they're getting rid of all their bags and they're and they're using one bag in a wedge block. OK, I like that. You know, how do they how are they now doing the tripod? OK, they're doing this with the tripod. And it's funny when you're at these events and you see somebody see all this stuff and may have means and they buy all this equipment. And then they go up to shoot their stage and you just see equipment flying in the air behind them because yeah. it doesn't work for them because they didn't practice as well as the next guy so it ends up getting in their way so they'll be on a barricade and they're trying to do something and next thing you know you see a tripod go flying and then you see a bag go flying and then you see something else go flying because it's it's gotten in their way and they know they're losing time and hits yeah and they're bogged down with all this stuff so that that to me analyzing the the mistake is pretty fun
0: Wow it's good it's good to if you can learn from other people's mistakes it's yes. a great thing I, I, it's a challenge I have down here is I'm not able to shoot as much as I'd like so often the competitions is where I'm able to try some new stuff and it's partly my own fault I need to dry fire more but I had a similar thing the first time I'd been watching online of guys shooting with slings I'd never really shot with a sling in a practical style so the first time I tried that was on a barricade in a competition and that got me completely tied up and um, yeah, did not not do very well at all but that's, you know, for us, that's, we, we do learn in that situation. Yeah.
1: I, I still, I mean, I, I'll put something new together and I have the local match here. Uh, yes. it's, it's about an hour plus up the road. I'll go shoot that just to practice yeah. something and play with it. Like la- the last one I shot, uh, you know, I had two stages left and I went home cause mm. I had accomplished what I had to. The next two stages were, were shorter ranges and didn't do anything for me. And so, you know, I, all morning and early in the afternoon, I'm trying and playing stuff and, okay, I got it. I know what I got going on. I can write all this stuff down. All right, there's two more stages. Eh, I'm just going to go home because I got an hour and a half ride, you know, I don't right. know. See you guys tomorrow. You know, next time. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Bye. And so I like local matches for that.
0: Well, for us, we, we don't have, say, a professional series running at all in the country anyway. So while – you know, I mean, we generally are traveling, for me, I'm traveling probably three, four hours for a lot of the competition. So you're not you're not going to head back. You're going to shoot as much as you can. But the feeling is great in that it's, um, yeah, there is a lot of guys still helping each other out while we're all kind of figuring it out. So it's a pretty cool time to be involved with it because there's no, the hyper competitiveness doesn't exist because there is no professional side to it at all you know
1: oh i've seen Um, we had a guy show up um his first time he came to the local match he didn't hit anything like all morning and and he we came up to a stage i brought him to the side went admin with him and taught him a couple things and worked with him with tripods and stuff and spent you know 15 20 minutes admin and then then you know he ends up going home with two or three hits in the afternoon but he started out with like none yep You know, so absolutely. That's the best way to do it. I mean, if you're still there, you need to stay there and not not make a professional series where everybody's after each other. You want Mm. that that sort of bringing people in. That's how it used to be with these type of matches. That's why they got so popular the way they were and why you see a bunch of pushback now, because now it's like, well, I've overextended myself trying to shoot too many of these matches to be a professional shooter. And I have no business being a professional shooter. So it's more important that I, I take everything I can get instead of giving back,
0: Mm.
1: you know, their, their idea of giving back is they let you borrow a rear bag at one stage, you know, Oh, he didn't have a really good rear bag. I let him borrow my pillow. And then they're like, well, I gave back, you know, and it's like, well, that's not really giving back, but okay. You did something. (laughs)
0: So, in, in regards to equipment, um, and, and specifically guys getting all the, the the latest toys and bells and whistles, and I've I've done it again. I've done it myself, and then I observed, I observed a guy. Uh, wh- shooting, I don't know, we'll call it 6-700, got the Kestrel out, did the whole Kestrel swing around, everything like that, found a solution, pulled the trigger, he missed. I was spotting for him. Mm-hmm. Got the Kestrel out, started mucking around with the Kestrel trying to figure out why the Kestrel wasn't doing it, pulled the trigger again and missed. And the second time it dawned on me, I said to him, did you see where the bullet hit? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, Mage what are you correct. doing with Why don't you correct? We've got the reticles, we can do it. And, and it, yeah. was, it was great for me to watch him trying to make this kestrel match why he was missing rather than going well i don't need that anymore i've overcomplicated it i just actually saw the bullet missed i can correct and pull the trigger and hit again and from that day forward i was like yeah no these are cool tools and everything but ultimately what's going to be really important is what happens down the end there um yes. and- and he's all got
1: calibr- <laughs> the guy's got a calibrated ruler three inches in front of his nose and he's not yes. using it, you know, yep. measure how far it was off. OK, I missed right there. Adjust, hit, send the second shot, throw the Kestrel out because he didn't set it up right. Uh, what you were saying with doping the rifle and not going out. I mean, just to kind of get in for your listeners, my process, I mean, I get so many rifles for t T&E and and testing and there's always a new rifle here that I may never have shot before. I get it. I zero it, I chronograph it, I dope it from 200 to usually 1500 yards uh, is probably average for me, maybe 1400 because I have I have targets that go straight out in a straight line to 1400 and then 15, 16, 17 are up to the side. So right. I'll usually go to 1400 and dope it out. But I, I put watermarks on my target. So I know if I'm high or low with that setting, you know, that elevation is where yep. on the target. Okay, right there. So I write all that stuff down. I have chronograph numbers. I have everything. When I get home, I set the software up to match that. Yep. Too many people try to get their rifle to match the software and don't get yep. the software to match the rifle. Um, but now I have everything and I can go out and do it. If, if the software is not right, well, then I toss it. But I almost always have backup of something, mm. it, usually a hard copy of my dope.
0: Yeah, it's something I've picked up recently. So am I right in thinking when you're shooting competition, you're out shooting, you're basically working on physical cards rather than working off a solution and a a solver?
1: I I do a little of both, but but yes, I I got one right here. Uh, Let's see. Here we go. This is kind of exactly what I use, and that's from a competition. And this yeah. this will do. It's I was upside down there, but um, I I do have the software with the southern
0: hemisphere. Like, by the time we see it, it'll be the right way up again. You see?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, exactly, Right. I mean, but it, it pull, if, if if I pull it apart, you know, there's there's that card that's right off of software, and I know that that's right. But you know, this has all the targets already marked up. I mean, you can see they say. You know that's B1, B2, B3, A4, A5, C, 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 C. So there's the ranges and there's everything already set up for me for the match. I never yeah. have to come off this little tiny thing, and that's my dope for that location and for that competition. Sure. You know I may yeah. have a, a, a different ones and all this little stuff, but it's all right there in the risk commander. And I'm using hard copy because in 90 seconds you have no time to pull the computer mm-hmm. up. Yeah. When I'm so, when I'm sitting yeah. back and you know there's there's so much downtime. I'll play with software during the downtime.
0: Yeah. Just okay.
1: see where it's trending to my actual. Yeah. I'm doing a comparison, but when I'm on the clock, it's just that piece of paper.
0: Well, it's something like I think, and I can only talk from my experience, but I'm sure there's other guys who do the same thing. You almost get things more and more complex. You know, I bought into the idea of having a Kestrel on the weather vane on a tripod off to the side that Bluetooth's to your phone. So you can be sitting there gawking at your phone, checking your Facebook update, waiting for the Bluetooth connection to work. The wind's changed. Oh God, I've got to start. Your brain starts again to now. I still use a Kestrel, but I'm just looking at the figures on there. I like it because it's simpler compared to the phone, even graphically. There's not as many graphics or as distracting things for it. Right. I've been catching up and watching a lot of the guys over in uh, Norway, so Thomas, THLR, which I heard you mention recently as well, and they're almost simplifying it again, like yourself, getting all that information beforehand, writing down the card in, in the morning for where they're shooting, so it's now still custom-specific to their environment, and then just working off that card.
1: It, it, exactly. I mean, it, 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 that, that's way too much stuff. I mean, you know, if I got to walk up yeah. to the line and let's say there is like a tricky wind going on, I, I'm getting up to my stage. You know, I'm the next guy in line. As I'm walking up, I grab some grass. I throw the grass in the air. I go, OK, it's coming from the right. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I know the shorter range is I'm probably going to be on the edge of plate, and then start moving out as I go, Um. you know, and I'll, and I'll do the wind. I will use the Kestrel and get a wind speed. If there's wind, a lot of these, a lot of these, the PRS type events are down south for us, and yeah. they're cut, they're cut into the woods. They don't have the wind that I have here. When I'm yes. here at my range, and I have the winds and in the direction changes that I have, I I'll use the the kestrel and those flags that you see in my video to to get my direction and stuff. But I'm not relying on that to the yeah. degree where the guys are set up. That uh, the way they are, you know. Once once I start getting that first bit of wind figured out, I don't need the machine anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I I start knowing. Okay, 500 yards, I'm gonna hold a half mil of wind. All right, at 800 yards, I'm gonna hold you know 1.2, and and I'll know that sort of in my head in the in the main areas of wind. And and there's so many people shooting in front of you and around you, shooting the same caliber it's not that hard to go to like one of your buddies and say, Hey, what was it? Oh yeah. I held one, not 1.2. Okay, cool, dude.
0: You know? And, and,
1: and that's kind of what, but even on my range, when I'm set up, I don't have the tripod, the thing I'll use the Kestrel to get my, you know, my initial information and maybe an hour or so later I'll do it again. And an hour later I'll do it again, once an hour, depending, you know, especially in the morning when the weather's starting to change quicker, but, If it's like 11 o'clock till two o'clock where the changes are coming much slower, I will only check, you know, every two hours then or I'll check, you know, before lunch and then after lunch. But Mm -hmm. I'm not checking every single stage, every single shot, every single time. I'm getting a base. I'm writing it down. I understand where my win needs to be. and, And I'm going off the cards.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it's a, it's a trap for new and experienced shooters with this new technology that you just let it replace your ability and your own internal knowledge. Uh, for the longest time, I had a Kestrel, which meant that I never learned how to read wind. And it's only recently right. that I've realized, oh, hang on, that goes down. And we, we spent a uh, grabbed a couple of guys who went out to the range or to a range recently. We could shoot out some further. First thing I did was sit down and everyone guessed distances, just for good practice, although we all have rangefinders. And then the wind calls before we got any of the electronics out and then we confirmed what our guesses were compared to what we could actually read in that situation. And it was humbling to say the least how bad I was at it. Um, Yeah. But now that's my thing. It's like, I'll go down to, again, I heard it on your recent podcast, but same thing I've been doing recently is if I go with the kids down to the local park, I'm the guy standing there trying to guess what the wind is and then just quickly pull the cashier out of the back pocket, check, mental note. Oh, okay. That's what that actually feels and looks like. And we yeah, probably I mean, lose. we're
1: calibrating our senses. And so I tell, yeah. like I said in that podcast, and, and I tell in my classes, you know, it, I think the wind is X miles per hour. Kestrel yep. comes out and confirms it. Now you start building a database, but I want people to, to see, feel, and hear what the wind's doing first. Okay, what, what do you see indicator-wise? What do you feel on your body? What do you hear in your ear protection? Um, you know, because if it's amplified... Then go to the Kestrel and say, you know, where you are, what we're looking for is patterns. And that's Mm. going to help you develop a pattern to say, I'm always two miles an hour underestimating the wind. Or I always estimate the wind two miles an hour over. Now you have a pattern and you can say, I think the wind is eight miles an hour. Well, that means it's probably six, (laughs) Yeah, you know, but at least, you know, now because you've, you've verified.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was for me. It meant over four for four hours and fifteen rounds. I probably learned more than I had for multiple days at the range, where you'd shoot, you know, five times that amount. Because I just stopped and thought about it before I pulled the trigger.
1: Well, and that's what precision rifles about, right? You know, Mm. that one perfect shot kind of deal. And we want to, you know, we're trying to to solve the problem in as least number of rounds as possible. So if you're out there and you're throwing rounds at something, you know, with enough lead, eventually everything gets hit. But if you, if you take the time (coughs) to set it up and like, you know, one of the mantras you may have heard me say is distance should give you time and opportunity, Mm -hmm. you know, distance should allow you to step back and say, okay, this all needs to be perfect. Now let's set this up. Let's dope the wind. Let's look at this. Let's look at our elevation. Now, it's on me, perfect fundamentals, take that shot, break it. And if you're wrong and you miss, well, it's seeing the result of that shot, where the miss was, and making that correction on the fly, and then sending the next shot to correct it within three to five seconds of the first shot. Yeah, I mean, that's your honeymoon period, that three to five seconds of your shot. If you're not making that correction, you should basically start over.
0: Mm -hmm. So... So when uh, I put a post up on uh, the Facebook page saying I was going to be interviewing you and asking for the guys to flick questions out, and uh, one of the guys basically called you the semi-automatic guy, which is oh, interesting. Okay. I know, which is interesting because I've always known you, obviously primarily precision bolt action, but certainly in the last, I don't know, we call it six months or a year, there are more semi-automatics turning up in what traditionally was the realm of the bolt actions. Now, what's your thoughts on that? There's a follow-up question to it, but what's your thoughts on it? Is it the fact that the semi-automatic platform is getting more accurate? Is it new calibers that are coming out? Is it just the crossover and the influx from guys from three gun and multi-gun getting into the the precision rifle style shooting?
1: It, they're getting better. Um, There's definitely some some build technology that's gone into it. Barrel technology for sure has improved the semi-auto, but. I mean, semi-automatics have, um, automatics have been accurate for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just the driver. It, what doesn't translate and people don't realize is, you know, we call it the mouse gun, the 5.56s. If you can shoot a mouse gun well, that doesn't mean you're going to shoot a three oh eight or a larger frame well. Those right. exploit your weaknesses and your fundamentals. and. Part of the thing with the semi-auto is I sort of drag out in the videos my trigger reset, my different things that I'm doing because I'm amplifying it. It's it's sort of I, you know you're coming from uh, the the music you said you know being on yeah. a stage, so you know yeah. the idea of stagecraft is big hand movements, big yeah. movements so the people in the back can see you. Well, in the videos I do the same thing, but what I'm doing is actually slowing it down in you know emphasizing that trigger control with the with a semi-auto a semi-automatic like today like say a jp rifle is phenomenally accurate the difference is the shooter Mm -hmm. and how well you can handle that recoil and manage it how well you drive through the recoil that trigger reset and and it you got to understand the difference between a door kicker with a semi-auto and a precision rifle guy with a semi-auto,
0: yeah.
1: So that's where I come from with a semi. But I do shoot a lot of semi-autos. I have a lot of big frame ones, and and I and I tend to shoot them pretty well. I like JP said. I may have the record now with that challenge at 800 yards because I got the three shots on at 800 yards before the sound of the first hit came back. The oh, JP, okay. yep. JP challenge is to get three three shots in the air. Before the sound of the first hit comes back. Sure. And I did, I did the one at 1100 yards and hit that six inch center and had a really good group. And then um, I did it again. I it took me two tries at 800, but the trick at 800 was the first time I did it, I was right on the edge of timing and I shot like a three inch group at 800 yards with the JP. Well, then I went faster and shot like a 10 inch group but I beat the time. Yeah. And so that's what you're looking to do. And, and, and it's because of, of how I shoot it much more so than the rifle.
0: So cause the follow up question was the, the difference in managing recall between a bolt platform and a semi-automatic platform. Is it one part of it is just slowing down that follow through and staying on that trigger and that keeping letting it all go through. Do you find your like having to drive a semi-automatic like, like, not push into it, but, but lean more into it. Or is there anything else that you do? I'm, if not, leaning.
1: I'm not doing anything, recoil management, any different. I am straight. Yeah. I am lined up. I got the yeah. bipod loaded to a certain degree, but it's that trigger. It's all yeah. that trigger on a semi because the semi is more efficient. So you don't have to get off the rifle and move and, and reload it and do the whole thing. The thing is with the semi-automatic is number one, that bolt mass. Yeah. It, it, it's heavy. You know, so it's moving. And then, you know, the idea of people will say, well, you know, the bullet's out of the bore before it moves. Yeah, not so much. There's mm-hmm. movement in there. It may not be unlocked, but you got to remember there's the bolt and the bolt carrier. The bolt carrier has to move before it unlocks. Yeah. So that you even have that movement. And semi autos are much more um, uh, in tune with the harmonics. People talk barrel harmonics all the time. Well, you know, I got this, I'm reloaded for this node. My barrel's got this harmonic. Well, the barrel's connected to an aluminum receiver, which is connected to an aluminum lower receiver, which is connected to a steel trigger. Yeah. If you're moving all that stuff, it, 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 it knows if you're, if you're moving. The other thing is, is the follow-through is the lock time because of the hammer so with a bolt action your lock times may be in that four millisecond area so guys with an eight ounce trigger who do this and tap it it doesn't see it but with a 12 millisecond semi-auto it sees it yeah because it's that much more time now the other thing and and it's not as bad as it used to be is where they put the gas block Mm -hmm. if there's a lot of barrel after the gas block well, then the bullet's not out of the bore. Yeah. So it depends where they put the gas block, because you got to remember that that gas moves five times faster than the bullet. So if you have enough distance after the gas block, you can beat that system moving. Right. Because you got to remember, we're keying off the sound. We're not keying off the bullet or the movement. We're keying off the sound of the primer. As soon as yeah. that pop starts, that first crack, that's when our brain starts moving. So we're a lot faster than we realize. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but the semi-autos are, are definitely good now. Um, I don't think there's as many like bad ones to avoid as it yeah. used to be back in the day. You know, I mean, even like the the, the cheapest SIG model, I've gotten to shoot half minute with a, with a SIG 716, you know, like a patrol model, not even their DMR version so um you know they're they're definitely better put together
0: mm. Mm. so i mean obviously a big thing for you at the moment well a lot of things have been happening for you at the moment there was the uh, shot show which has been a lot of coverage of but also which we'll talk about in a moment excuse me Mm -hmm. But there was also obviously a new podcast. So um, were you not busy enough that you decided you'd start running a podcast?
1: It It was not my idea. Um, Okay. Mike from Mile High for two weeks was like, got to do a podcast, bro. Got to do a podcast. And I'm like, I don't need to do another podcast (laughs) or anything. You know, I'm like, no. And I finally said yes. That I would do it. Now, he got so busy, I'm doing a lot of it myself. (laughs) He's in on it. But, uh, you know, it blew up so big, so fast. Yeah. That I kind of couldn't walk away from it after I started it. But yes, I was 10 times way too busy to begin with. (laughs) Mike asked and he asked and he asked and I finally said yes.
0: Well, it was funny because I looked at the first episode and it almost seemed it was like you were the first guest on his show. Right. It's it's kind of the wording and the title and everything. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, cool, I'll check that out. And then I realised that yeah, you see if it's carried on, carried on, and, and you've done a few now because Mike's been busy chasing up from stuff from Shot Show. I'm like, ah, oh, I think I think Frank might have just got the bug and decided he was just going to carry on. <laughs>
1: It, it, it was always, it, it, and it will, like, I'm going to meet with him Friday and we'll do some double episodes and stuff. But originally we thought that, you know, I'll just come into mile high. We'll go in a side office. We'll do a, a quick half hour, one hour kind of deal. Yeah. And, you know, per day kind of deal. But he's so busy right now with it, with shot. And I mean, I went in there Friday and I mean, you, you couldn't move. It was so packed mm. in there that I can't pull him off the counter because of, of how busy he is. Like, you know, Diane, the owner of Mile High, she'd go out of her mind if her best salesman is upstairs talking with me. So it became an easier situation of me just kind of doing it here and putting it up until his window opens up, you know? I, I, I'm My schedule's different than theirs. I, like I walk into Mile High and I touch and move things and do stuff. And, and it's kind of like I'm the owner's son in a lot of, you know, the banker's <laughs> son's hours. And, and it's it, it, it kind of takes on that little bit of a feel. Yeah, even though I have no affiliation to him over and, and, and that's not how it should go. But the people who work there are working. <laughs> yeah. It's a job for them. So yeah. I, I'm just I'm just taking up the slack in, in, in some ways, but I enjoy it. I mean, it's fun to talk about it. And it's fun to you know get the word out and seeing the feedback is kind of what got me. Right,
0: yeah,
1: Yeah, you know the feedback's been good. So, was it a plan? No, did I? Did I? (laughs) But you know I'm sticking with it. So.
0: Oh, it, like I said, I haven't got through, I'm up to eight or nine, I think it is, because I was like, right, I'm going to try and catch up. Like I said to you, I've just been finding excuses to drive places just to listen to the next one to catch up, but it, it's just so, <coughs> excuse me, I think what's so good about it is because it's, it's you and Mike talking, but it's just so information dense, <clears throat> basically. It's just like yeah. you just, you almost... You know, it, it's reinforcing a lot what I've been seeing through Sniper's Hide and through the the, um, the online training that you do as well, but it, yeah, it's just great to reinforce that and reinforce that. So I, I, the other question, and it's something that I've wondered, but I'm, it, it, it's a perception thing, with the amount of stuff that you've got out through the, the Sniper's Hide and through the forums and with the videos you're doing, with the online training, with the actual training that you do with the podcast now, is, is Sniper's Hide sort of a team of one or do you have a group of people around you helping you do this or no, it's it's just me, you man. running around like a madman
1: yeah it's me yeah. It, it's me myself and i even in the videos there's nobody else on the range but me if sure. you only see me in the video i'm the only guy
0: yeah okay. okay i mean i
1: i edit it like i'm driving out and i have no plan i don't storyboard or anything i'll, I'll know okay i'm gonna do a video on this today or, you know, I know I got to go out and test a rifle or do something and I'll say, OK, I got that rifle. I'll do a lesson with that rifle. But I'm driving out. I have a one hour drive to my range and I'm thinking, OK, I'll do this. All right. I'll do that. All right. I'll do that. I'll set everything up and I'll just I'll just film while I'm doing this stuff. And then, yeah. you know, whatever pops in my head, I do it. Then I come home, edit it up and, and, and do all that. So, yeah, it's it's well, it's, it's, it's a bunch
0: yeah certainly just from my end I kind of know it's not only for the filming and it's a good segue into some questions I have about the video Um, it's also the back end stuff of then getting it tidied getting it edited getting it up online as well it's not like it just finishes where you do the video and live update to Facebook that's where the work almost starts then yeah
1: so yeah, yeah go ahead
0: well, I was going to say this is potentially where we're going to lose some people because they're not. We, I'm going to divert off into more production side of things because it's selfishly it's what interests me. But yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, your videos, the online stuff, that it, it looks phenomenal. It looks um, cinematic, right? So it's a step from a guy putting a camera down and just filming it, you know, and, and literally color grading, the editing, everything, the graphics, and everything on it as well. Um, what made you decide that you wanted to just basically put out that level of content rather than the guys who just film top tail up online line and we're away.
1: Yeah. Part of it's me, but part of it is how do you separate yourself from the other guy? Yep. You no. Know, how, how am I going to be different in, in, you know, what part of it is, is I, now I do cinematography classes,
0: mm, mm.
1: you know? So if they come to Denver and I see there's going to be a cinematography class, I go take it. Yep. You know, and I'm investing in good equipment. I mean, you know, even like w- when we fired up this, I'm looking at your Rode mic and I go, I got that same mic. You know, I just mm-hmm. have the black one instead of the, the NT1. Was that the 1A? In, in, 1A, yes.
0: Yeah, 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 I have
1: the 1. Right, right. You know, yeah. it, it's look right here. <laughs> you, you know, no, so. you
0: got the pop screen.
1: Right, right. So I'm, I'm all, yeah. uh, you know, I'm looking at that stuff and, and I I just take what I would do how I would treat my precision rifle stuff. I treat my camera stuff. You know, I invest in audio. I have good, good equipment that way you had asked, or you'd posted in here. Yes. I'm using black magic cameras almost exclusively. Um, you know, I have a a bunch of them. I, in fact, I have to get the new one. I have a, um, a discount code for the new pro
0: because I bought
1: the big Ursa. Yeah. And when they didn't, when they didn't upgrade the Ursa, they gave you 50% off the pro, which I need to go do. um, Yeah. So to me, how do you separate yourself from the next guy? And it's in that cinematography. It's in that quality of video. And when you're sitting on the range in the prone shooting a target, how do you make it interesting? Mm. And so I have to try to make it visually pleasing. So when I'm even laying there in the prone and not doing much, but pressing the trigger. How does it keep your attention? And to me, yep. that's that. That's the graphics. That's the good stuff. That's yep. the good sound. I, and you may have noticed, but a lot of people don't notice, like I have that wind flag behind me for multiple reasons. It's behind me so that so you can see what's going on as, as a viewer. But I mean, people don't realize that when that wind's blowing, you don't hear it because I'm using expensive audio equipment to <laughs> cut the wind out. You know, my, my voice comes across clean.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it, it's something, it's, part of me, it's, again, because previous jobs and stuff, it, it, it kind of bugs me sometimes that I can watch a video and the only thing, even though it's the information might be super dense, great info, all I'm hearing is the wind whistling through the guy's mic on his camera and then realizing that there's no color grading and the white balance is off. But I, I just, I spent too many years training myself to look for yeah. it that you're just yeah. like hey dude you need to switch it off you actually actually need to be listening to the content but on the flip side it does make it i appreciate it when i see somebody's gone that little that step extra to do it, and, so,
1: and I, it I, there's there's some video out there and i don't mean from a video content but as far as but things they do in the video and i don't mean like their camera work or anything like that i'm talking about them and like fundamentals of marksmanship kind of stuff mm. if, if if i go home And I'm going to edit a video and I, and I may not have like a lot of times I'll try to make sure I got eye eye protection on because I don't want people in the video, you know, on YouTube yelling at me because I'm not wearing eye pro. (laughs) But if, if I don't have my prescription glasses on and I'm tired, I'll close my left eye and do that. Right. If I go home and see that I closed my left eye and I'm shooting, I throw the video away. Yeah. I trash it. You know, there, there there's, I, I did, you're talking about, uh, classes. I did a class with the, uh, sound editor for Saturday night live. Cause mm-hmm. not the, not the live people, but the pre-recorded guys do a lot of classes. Sure. Um, are cinematographers, they are guys, cause they, uh, the, the, all the inserts into Saturday night live get shot on f- Thursday and Friday. Yep. And so the, 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 you know you can get a class from those guys in the in the sound person had like um you know like pacific rim on the big screen and so he showed that and he messed like you know he messed the video up like he put static yep. in yeah but you could hear it perfect well you could still listen and watch it yes then he put perfect 4k footage up on the on the screen and messed the audio up yeah you're done time to go to the bathroom man you can't you can't suffer it so taking lessons from like pro level people really helps Yeah, whether it's shooting filming audio and and that's kind of what i do
0: yeah so it's a specific technical question then um with your downrange shots that you've got with uh, will be an impact on the steel or something like that. Is that another Blackmagic or is that a GoPro? And GoPro. how are you rigging? It's a GoPro.
1: I, 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 started, I saw you shot one. Yes, this one, right? It's actually sitting right here.
0: Aha, uh-huh. Yep.
1: There it is. But um, I had I had a Blackmagic Micro, the new little yep. one, the gimbal one. And the very first day I was going to use it as a target cam. The very first day I put it out on the target, I hit the tripod. Um, <laughs> so I said, you know what? I think I'll stick with GoPros being downrange. Yeah. I've actually in, in the, in, and I don't have it here. It's in my car. The, the GoPro threes and four with the clear plastic case. Yes. I've actually burned bullets through the clear plastic without hitting <laughs> the camera. Wow. Because some, sometimes I'll put the camera in the wrong place.
0: Yeah. And I'm too lazy yeah. to
1: go another 800,000 yards out to move it, so I'll try to sneak it in, and I'll try to curve the bullet and do a little Angelina <laughs> Jolie wanted with it, and it never quite works. <laughs> um, when, when, I sh- when I shot this camera at 1,500 yards, I put three rounds into the tripod and then one through the camera in the same because I, I, what I was doing was going to shoot a 10-shot group at yeah. 1,500, best of 10. And three went into the tripod and one into the camera. So four out of 10 went into my equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Downrange tripods are pawn shop tripods.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I did a, I did a filmed a multi-gun video once and set a, uh, gopro 4 down down the line and set it up got onto my little remote thought this is going to be great because i'm going to capture the texas star being shot then when i got back just as i sat down and the first guy went up onto the line i realized i'd sat it right behind another one of the targets that was part of the course of fire yes. So i got the watch got to watch it and of course the thing got hit by a, a slug base or a pallet of the of the 12 gauge and I've got a video of it. You can, see the, you can see the wad going one way, and then you can see these blues coming towards it, and then the whole thing just goes everywhere. It survived as a, as a, a miracle. The case didn't, but the, um, the camera itself did. So, yeah I've, yeah,
1: I've knocked over a bunch of cameras without hitting the camera by hitting the tripods, but, um, and, and the footage is good. The, the, the footage for this on the shot that I took on this one, I couldn't salvage the, the footage that of the clip of the shot was corrupt and i couldn't fix it because it was too big but oh. all the footage was fine
0: yeah yeah
1: you know because <laughs> i mean 338 through a gopro doesn't doesn't yeah. doesn't do very well
0: <laughs> so um then then just at the back end you're using the black magic so you're working well black magic is it's all raw isn't it it's not an option
1: i'm not doing raw i'm doing pro res and log okay. i am log I'm just shooting yep. in ProRes. Um, RAW would be just a little bit too much extra editing.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I'm finding. I've got, I don't know if you can see it, I, I'm using a, got a Canon a 5D as, as the video camera, but with Magic Lantern, which is RAW. So again, it pains me because it looks phenomenal, but then I've got another layer of work and editing and I want to change something, i got to go back. It's, um, yeah, that's why I've been yeah, looking at things.
1: ProRes, but log.
0: Yeah, okay, okay. And I, I think it's realizing, again, almost like the... Um, funnily enough going back to equipment and everything i don't think everything needs to be in super high definition 4k for what we're doing when guys are looking at it online they're looking at it this big at the end of the day so
1: yeah (laughs) but you know what i do though i because i I shoot in 4k a lot i mean yeah one two of the black magics aren't they're 1080 but my ursa's 4k in 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 stuff but um i'll use it to edit and down res so if i want to crop in and come close yeah then the 4k helps because I, I can cut it up and it'll still look good and it doesn't blow out. I have, yeah. a, um, I have an upscale, uh, uh, sort of a plugin and I can crop you out and pull you up and fill your, fill the screen up with you and it won't blur you yes. out being yep. that. And then even like the GoPros, when I shoot the GoPros, I'm shooting them at 2.7. Uh, yeah. you know so I'm not shooting at 1080 or 4k because 4k I can't get the some of them I can but not all of them the li- I want the linear instead of the GoPro sort of fisheye yep yeah. yeah. and so uh, I'll do that at, at uh, 2.7 cinematic or something I think they call it yep and, and and that way there I can I can move the camera a little farther away from the target but then crop in closer without it looking bad.
0: Yeah, just reframe as to the actual shot yeah, you want. You've got the it edges. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Very cool. So. Well there you go. That's probably just gone over a whole pile of people listening, but it but it's great because I, I realise I think a lot of the things appeal to me and the precision shooting thing that do to me in the video editing too, that do in the audio editing, it's just mastering this craft and going beyond what probably ninety percent people ever do.
1: It, it, it's a lot. I mean, but I, I think it makes it different when you look at the video, I think it's a good quality it, it represents well. So we, like, I, I'm pretty critical of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I edit myself pretty hard on a lot of things. And so I, I I'll see something that I think is fantastic. And, in then one error and go, Oh, I can't put that out there. Yeah. You know, it's got to throw it away. Like this last podcast I did uh, on wind reading the intro to wind reading, it took me four tries because I said, and all I said in one of them, one of them was great. I really liked it. But all I said in the podcast was one MOA instead of one mil. I was talking about uh, a mil and I said one MOA, one MOA, one MOA, and then half mil. So I was going one MOA, half mil, one MOA. And I when I went back and listened to it, I was talking, half, you know, fractions of a mil, but yeah. one MOA. I threw the whole thing away and started over.
0: Well, what's what's unfortunate as well is that if you put something like that out, you would have about 200 trolls on the internet pointing out that one fact that everyone could actually understand what you meant by it, but it would be like this affront to everything that's holy because you'd put it out and it was wrong.
1: I, I, get, I get trolled a ton too. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't know what other people's level of trolls are with some of it, but I get trolled a ton. So to me, if I can minimize some of that, like I had one and a woman came on, um, I, I did an interview like in this machine shop and the machine shop was actually interfering with my wireless mics. So sure. we kind of had to go on camera and it had an echo in the room. Yeah. And I kind of left it. It was really a talking head thing. It was no big deal. But a woman came on and was like, your echo's terrible. You're this. And she starts giving, you know, critiquing my video. And I just said to her, my response was send a resume.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, what do you want from me, lady? You know, but I I get I get trolled quite a bit. So it's.
0: It's exactly it's the same thing. It's here. I, I used to have a full studio that had full acoustic treatments all around it. It was like an anechoic chamber. It was so dead. So now I record anything. I'm like, oh, I can hear the room. But I, I'm in a, if anyone wants to send me all the treatment and stuff, I'll happily put it out and use it. But, you know. I had that really here
1: too. I had a setup up here as well and I got rid of it. But, yeah. you know, now, like with Audition, I just do the sound plate, cut out the background noise. Yeah. You know. <laughs> So I'll, I'll map the room, capture the print, and then clean it up with the, the yeah. podcast. You know, because there's computer noises. Might like right here next to me, just three feet away from my, my right hand, is a bank of, um, uh, you know, hard drive servers.
0: Yeah.
1: For all the video. Yeah. I mean, I've, there's it's uh, 16 terabit, 12 terabit, 12 terabit, 12 terabit, 8 terabit. You know, and they're all making noise yeah you know so it's trying to cut all that stuff out and it's it's now it's just make a sound plate go in let the software do it
0: i'm done yep yep that's easier than the uh the alternative these days so uh frank it's been awesome um yeah it's just been awesome uh one more question for you we've got uh this weekend i'm off with the cameras and stuff to um something called the shot expo and i think they've named it just different enough just to you know cover themselves for copyright so obviously a world of difference from the shot show that you've just come from from but any uh uh, tips of uh making it around a a big uh, gun show in one piece
1: have a plan. And where mm-hmm. I like even like, I wear suits and stuff when I'm in Vegas at shot show, you might see pictures of me in like three piece suits. I still yeah. wear sneakers with them, man. I'm still <laughs> got sneakers on. You know, I'm not wearing dress shoes. Uh, so good shoes. Know where you're gonna go. Like we have the app that we use. And, and even this year was so busy for me, I didn't get a chance to see a lot of people I should have seen. because yeah. it was just too dang busy. And then try to keep your meetings to that 15 minutes to a half hour with people, you know, minimize it. Um, You know, some of them like with Schmidt and Bender, I was two hours with them. And then the next thing you know, there's three meetings you can't make because you spent two hours with Schmidt and Bender, you spent an hour with this guy. So definitely uh, good shoes, know your meetings and your schedule and try to get them scheduled ahead of time for people. Cause nothing's worse than going to a booth to talk to somebody. And they can't talk to you.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: So. Yep.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Thank you very much. Now, I would assume most people know this, but where do they check out more information about you?
1: Uh, the, sniper's Hide. Go to snipershide.com. Yep. Uh, Facebook, I'm on there. I'm not as much, but Sniper's Hide with the changes in the form and everything. Yes. The new software just rocks. Yep. So I'm, I'm there a heck of a lot more than I was before. So.
0: Awesome. All right, mate. Thank you again. Much cool. appreciated. Thank it. you,
1: guys. Hey, and uh, for you guys yeah. down there, just I talked with Dan Hardy, so Hardy Barrels from New Zealand. I, he was up at SHOT.
0: Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so Hardys, man. I, I saw you talking to uh, 6.5 guys. I realize you're not reloading, but I saw the AMP and Neela guys recently as well with their new developments, which yeah. is another great Kiwi export. So awesome. Yeah.
1: Set it up. I'll come out. Have you guys have a thing? If you got a if you got a club and a thing, let me know. We'll, we'll make it happen.
0: We're working on it, Frank. We're working on it. All righty. <laughs> All good.
1: Have a All good on, one.
0: Uh, thank you, thank you, buddy. Hey, um, uh, couple. Yeah, well, two more questions. Off, off, done. Thank you very much for that. That was awesome. Uh, yeah, one relates to that. I mean, um, I don't. Have you been to New Zealand? You go, You come down to Aussie. No, to I, Aussie? Haven't been, I haven't been that way.
1: Okay. Um, I, I, was trying to, I was trying to do a thing in Australia, and I was yeah. going to try to bounce over from there. But Australia's not ready yet; they're building a range or something. I don't know what they're doing. But I well, haven't we- been that part of the Pacific Rim. I've been to Korea, Okinawa, Philippines and that yeah. area, but never down.
0: Well, it's a are. challenge thing and, and I've talked a little bit to Rusty and the boys who are, are the Precision Rifle podcast as well and they obviously they've got the PRS as a series started in Aussie but yeah same thing if, if, if we could get you down yes it'd be a case of lining you into something into Aussie and then coming down here as well just to because the biggest thing is, is flying you it's the flight all the way down here once you're here we can, we can zip you around the country you know
1: yeah and the flying I mean I got miles too the flying's not that big a deal and, and I yeah. try not to stick people up uh, you know, charging them wise. I'm yeah. pretty easy expenses and stuff. I don't, I don't play that game with people. Um, Do you, you know, something I've charged 25,000 for other people charge 80,000 for the same yeah. exact thing, yeah. you know, and okay. I'm not in that space. I, I, I recognize you guys are no different than us. You're working guys, businessmen, this isn't your life and you can't be charging them like you're a government, you know? Yeah. yeah. So,
0: well, it's the thing, and we're getting to the point where, you know, we're sorting, uh, so I'm in Auckland, which is the big, we've got the three times the population base of anybody else, but there's all places to shoot. So the biggest question I get up here in Auckland is where the hell can I shoot? So I'm trying to work on some appropriate ranges of land that we can shoot further than the 200 metres, which is the limitation for most of the, the hunting style ranges out here. yeah. Um, but as we saw that, then, then we can look at bringing some guys down. We've got land to actually do do that side of things on. So, um, yeah. Totally. It's in, it's in the totally. works. It's in the works. And then we get down to the South Island where they've just got all the land in the world, it seems. They can go and shoot up in the mountains. It's quite stunning.
1: Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So it's all cool. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much. Give me a... Um, I've got to head off and do yeah three days at this um, uh, show, so I'll kind of be disappearing to do that for a while, but Oh, I don't know. Give me a week or so and I'll get it in. Oh, Anytime. Whenever
1: whenever you're done. I'm not I'm not looking for timelines. I I get it.
0: Okay cool 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 i i think we're gonna do my goals to do probably start with just once a month rather than once a day for the podcast and just get it regularly yeah. um but yeah we've got a few other guys to catch up with i'm gonna catch up with ed and steve to do like a shot show recap because i know they were just running around catching up with everybody so they're,
1: they're I mean. the, and, and i brought them in i worked with them and, and we shared rooms and stuff together because i just knew they do a much better job video wise and i'm kind of we more, more focused on the business of yeah. relaunching snipers hide the way it is and, and right now and so i just you know traded them their footage for hotel rooms in a lot of ways so yeah
0: yep oh that's a thing it's 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 good we're down here it's good there's like i say I, i put together like a facebook page and some resources at the back end for all the guys organizing the field shoots down here So just so that there's a little bit of coordination between us, because it it was at the point where everyone was off going to start doing their own things and putting events on on the same day and all sorts of stuff. So um, I've sort of realized that even light
1: and easy, man, make it more a learning experience than something that you're trying to become pro shooters at. You know, oh,
0: it, it changes as as you've expressed. It just changes the vibe completely and utterly when yes, people are actually trying to you're, make you're money better out of it.
1: Keeping a training and a learning vibe to it, you'll grow quicker, faster, and harder than if you start yeah. going and doing competitions and prizes.
0: Yeah. Well, we do. we do prizes, but it's a draw. It's a random draw at the end. So the first, second, third, you get these dinky yep. little medals that I got, which, are, you know, yeah. they get a medal. That's cool. They love it. And then the rest of the guys, you know, um, we had a guy won. We had a rifle was available. The guy who won it uh, gave it, it was a twenty-two. gave it to his son for his first gun. It's perfect. It's better yeah. than the guy who's got a target system and everything already sorted who won. Yeah,
1: don't, don't spoil them.
0: Yeah. Well, he's already got a psycho quad. What was he going to do with it? He was going to sell it. I mean, that's what he was going to do with it. So, right. you know, so it works out good. All good. Thank you again. Um, one thing I've noticed I've jumped onto the new forum and I may be missing it cause I haven't been on there for a little while, but the, um, online training form is not well, it, up it, anyth- It'll
1: be back in the next couple of days. They're working oh, okay, on it sorry. right now. It's not yeah. there. Um, it did the, the new form didn't translate to the old form. Yeah, And sure. so uh, the, the biggest problem was the new form wouldn't allow me to embed my videos.
0: Oh, So they're okay. writing
1: a custom code. So my video will work, but yeah. it'll be probably back up running. I'm hoping by Monday.
0: Okay. No, it's no, no major. I just I thought i bit better just check in the it's Same thing. So yeah, many different things so, I'm trying though, to play catch up form, on. It's like, Oh,
1: the form limits the video that you can embed. And so I have to have it coded to work with my video. Yeah. Okay. Because I don't use YouTube, you know, yep. so it defaults to like the big ones, and because I'm using a proprietary video system to, to yep. domain lock them, the, yep. this new software it has to be custom coded.
0: What are you using as a company? I'm just I use um, Vimeo, but basically keep everything private and just embed it for um, a similar.
1: i I went to Flowplayer now. I was using Vidler, oh, yeah. but I just yep. jumped over to Flowplayer. So I'm going to be using Flowplayer for everything.
0: Hmm. Hmm. So yeah that's the other interesting one many times i looked at it I thought there 's no point in me trying to compete with anyone on YouTube because i 'm competing with the guys in America doing the YouTube videos, so it's more just drawing like you do drawing drawing them back to the website just makes more sense
1: yeah well that's in what i the what i'm doing with the flow player videos is i'm going to lock them some of them domain wise to make them come to my site yeah so i'm I'm using sort of in plus way youtube's acting so funny, shutting down gun stuff. I'm yeah. kind of waiting for that, that, that I'm waiting for it to flip. And when it does, I'll have my video platform all set so I won't lose and all the YouTube people will be lost. But it's, it's again, gonna flip.
0: Yeah, yeah. But again again, completely not for the T V you know, not for the recording or anything. Have you noticed any like with what you're doing? Because you seem everything you do is very I'm assuming intentionally uh what's the right which way of putting it, apolitical?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? It's you're just doing um, information.
1: Very- they're Have gonna, you- they're gonna shut it down.
0: Yeah. Okay. Regardless, I think when anything.
1: We, when we hit the next election cycle, depending on how bad they screwed up here right now, um, yeah. in 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 the in the politics in the U.S. flips, yeah. Then you'll see these companies then in, get bolder to shut the gun people down. They're yeah, already okay. on YouTube. They're already turning off a lot of people who get political in the yeah. gun stuff. Yeah. Um. So I do stay apolitical that way. But like I said, I'm preparing for them to shut it down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, similar thing down here, much smaller scale. But, you know, we have Facebook groups that get shut and all these things and guys are trying their sneakiest way to sneak around Facebook's algorithms. say. I'm like, well, you've got no idea how big these guys are just because you call it a water blaster They've got algorithms that do face recognition. I, I mean, right. come on. And it's it's in a secret group. You can't see it. It's like, it's their group. It's on their server. Do you not? Yeah, anyway. they
1: see it. They well, see it. <laughs> secret doesn't count for them. It's only <laughs> no. secret for me and you.
0: Yeah. But it, but so intentionally, I've kind of left the stayed away. And the problem is every time I do say something, yeah, it just becomes this... Political shit fight anyway. We're different, very different politically from you guys, but we've got our own fun and games down here at the moment. I think that's why it's good. The field shooting's taking off because it's a very—it's combining the the competition guys, the hunters, and providing a very not not non-threatening, but it's just providing a good face for shooting in New Zealand at the yes. moment. Or firearms use would be the better term. So yeah,
1: exactly. And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm I'm prepping everything right now. They're working on it now. I got two groups working on the site. So you'll see changes, you know, some smaller changes now taking place. Like I said, it should be this weekend. They should be finishing up the forum part, putting stuff back. And then after that will be the main page was getting redone and that's getting um, completely redone. The video platforms in place. So you'll see, see me starting to sort of circle everything in tighter. So I'm not dependent on these third parties that will potentially shut us down.
0: Well, it's the same thing I get with Facebook now. You just need to look at the difference between including a link back to your page versus a text or a video-only thing. So yeah. it's teasers up on Facebook, up on the online sites, but it's all go back to the main site for the main Exactly. Article. It's
1: advertising. All I yeah. do is advertise yeah, yeah. on Facebook.
0: Yeah, and I, I do wonder, yeah, the guys who are heavily committed to somebody else's platform, yes, it's got to bite them at some point. Yep. you know, so. Definitely. Anyway. So, yeah, very good. Good talking, mate. Um, Yeah, it's Yeah, yeah, I'd be keen to do it. Like so, I've been meaning to do it for ages, and I've realized the only way that that I get this happening is if I just actually start putting the time in and doing it, lo and behold. So, yeah, I'd love to uh, get back in touch with you in a couple of months and have another catch-up.
1: Yeah, not a problem at all. Anytime. Happy to do it.
0: Awesome, mate. Thank you very much, Frank. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Trigonometry Podcast please make sure you visit our site at precisionshooter.info, where you'll find show notes additional links and a pile of extra information including competitions and updates on events near you while you're there pop over to our facebook and instagram pages where you'll see regular updates on the goings-on and the precision shooting community in new zealand the way that this show grows is through people like you so please share on facebook And if you know someone who's into shooting and may be interested in checking this out, flick them over a link. And if you're listening to this through a podcast aggregator or some form of app, make sure you leave us a review. It really makes a difference. Thanks again to the Gear Locker and all our additional supporters. And most importantly, thank you, the listener. Without you guys, none of this could happen. Talk soon, but for now, go have a shoot.